So we have been in the book of Acts, looking at all the occurrences of the Holy Spirit in the birth of the early church. We started at the Ascension, uh, moved through the day of Pentecost, saw a couple of speeches given by ordinary men empowered by the Holy Spirit. We looked at the martyrdom of Stephen. Last week, we saw Philip uh, go into Samaria and preach the good news to the Samaritans. And today's text comes on the heels of this. So as you remember, uh, Philip was one of the seven who were uh, appointed deacons to take care of the church in Jerusalem. When Stephen was killed, Philip and the other deacons you know, scattered, um, and Philip found himself in Samaria. And while in Samaria, revival broke out. The Samaritans, uh, on a daily basis, were coming to know and trust Jesus. And in the midst of this revival, in the midst of this incredible thing that God is doing, the Holy Spirit calls Philip away from the epicenter of this revival, takes him out to a desert crossroads, and says, wait. Which must have been incredibly frustrating. To be called away from something that is of God and exciting and is, um, and is changing people's lives to be called to go and stand out at a desert crossroads and wait. And this is where our text uh, picks up today in Acts chapter 8 uh, and we'll begin uh, about verse about verse 29. Um, so, Philip is there standing uh, at the desert crossroads, and the chariot of the Ethiopian eunuch comes by. And in verse 29, the Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked, Do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, How can I unless someone explains it to me? So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It just so happens that the man was reading from the book of Isaiah, uh, one of the suffering servant passages. In verse 34, we pick up and the eunuch asks Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? Which is a really important question. Uh, that sometimes we, we miss out on. Because um, going back to the book of Deuteronomy, we see that eunuchs are banned from temple worship. Um, so he had just come from Jerusalem, where chances are he went to the temple to worship, and they said, uh, no dice, get lost. Um, 
you're unfit for worship. Uh, because in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 23, verse 1, uh, a man with crushed genitals is not permitted to enter the assembly of the Lord. And for centuries, uh, this had been a historic ban on eunuchs being part of the, uh, the, the temple life of Israel. So for uh, the Ethiopian eunuch to ask, what, what is keeping me from being baptized? He already knows the answer. By very virtue of being a eunuch, under the, the Jewish ritual um, system, he's out. Because baptism is a ritual washing to prepare you to go to temple. But here, Philip. Philip then gave orders to stop the chariot, and Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. In the power of the Holy Spirit, this man who had been excluded from worshiping is now included, is now uh, able to experience God's provision in a new way. In Romans chapter 10, we read that uh, Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame, for there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. Gentile, another group that can't worship in the temple. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And then Paul asks a question, How then can they call on the one they have not yet believed in? And how can they believe if the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? For as it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? And consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. You know, um, I, I really struggled uh, with today's sermon because there are so many things happening in this passage um, that that trying to figure out how to adequately talk about any of them in 23 and a half-ish minutes um, seems outlandish. Um, but what really strikes me as uh, something for us today is wrestling with the reality that Philip inserts himself into the eunuch's life. Like, the, 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 the eunuch doesn't come to Philip and say, hey, I heard you're part of that uh, Jesus-following movement. Um, tell me about this scripture. The Holy Spirit leads Philip to walk alongside this chariot and then to poke his head in and say, hey, you know what you're reading? Because so oftentimes, in our culture, uh, the assumption is 
that you keep your stuff to yourself and I'll keep my stuff to myself. And if I want your stuff, I'm going to come and ask you for your stuff. But that it's, um, it's inappropriate even for us to engage with someone who hasn't first engaged with us. I mean, this, is, this is one of the, the, the chief difficulties with evangelism is, is finding that confidence to go up to someone who uh, you maybe know a little bit or don't know at all and, and invite yourself into their life. Even with someone who we know pretty well but haven't had you know, spiritual conversations with. Like, it is a struggle to invite ourselves deeper into their life. But the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch shows us that the Holy Spirit can empower us to invite ourselves deeper into someone else's life. Can empower us uh, to do this very culturally insensitive thing because we know the truth about Jesus ultimately will set us all free. Um, I've been reading Hudson Taylor's biography for uh, a while now, and I, I can never read that much at, at one time because I feel really bad about myself. Um, so Hudson Taylor, he was a, uh, an Englishman uh, who was a missionary to China, um, he's, you know, widely considered the first missionary to, like, embrace the culture of the country he went to. So, um, you know, he was an Englishman who wore Chinese robes and had a, you know, a 19th century Chinese haircut and, and what have you. Um, and as I was reading Hudson Taylor's biography, one of the things that was said about him by one of his contemporaries was that he lived for others with the supreme concern for their soul's salvation, not with any sense of superiority, but simply from a deep and personal love of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm really convicted by that. Because I don't think anyone would say about me that I live with supreme concern for other people's soul salvation. I want that to be said about me, but I mean the, the reality is I, I live with supreme concern for the Buckeyes winning and my kids being you know, relatively kind to their classmates. Um, but can supreme concern for the salvation of those who are around me. I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's powerful. But it's hard, right? It's, it's, it's hard to get out of our own way enough to say that the spiritual life of someone else is of greater concern for me than my own feelings of possible shame and inadequacy of having a spiritual conversation with someone. I think sometimes it is the fear that, that they won't respond positively. That we'll uh, 
ask someone how we can pray for them and you know they'll they'll flip out on us or or we'll um we'll ask someone how it is with their soul and they'll you know go into some diatribe on you know the inefficacy of religion in the modern world but as paul says how will those be saved? How will those come to know and love and trust Jesus unless they are told? We live in a post-Christian culture. We do not live in a world where, where Christianity is widely, um, widely taught or honored or accepted anymore. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. But it does change the way that we have spiritual conversations. Because we can't assume that, that anyone who is in our life you know, grew up going to Sunday school. Uh, we can't assume that, that they already have this sort of foundation of what it is to know and love and trust Jesus. And I think sometimes we have this fear that we won't have the right words. That we don't know enough about the Bible, that, that, that we aren't you know, trained well enough, that, that a question will come up that we won't have an answer to. And the question becomes, do we trust Jesus enough that we will be obedient? That we will go into the world and we will share the good news of Jesus, whether or not we feel fully equipped to do so. Because in the book of Acts, we see time and time again, ordinary people being able to share the good news of Jesus in ways that make sense for those who they're talking to. Charles Spurgeon says, uh, Let eloquence be flung to the dogs, rather than souls be lost. What we want is to win souls. They are not won by flowery speeches. Ultimately, it's not our ability to speak in theologically provocative ways that are going to invite people into the presence of God. It's going to be our love and our care and our service and our courage in saying something. Which is hard. You know, it's, it, it's hard to go out of our way to put ourselves out there in a culture where it's seen as strange. But it's what we're called to do. It's part of obedience. We can't be obedient to God's call unless we are open to the Holy Spirit using us in ways that are going to be uncomfortable and could possibly bring shame upon us. 
You know, another uh, Spurgeon quote that wrecks me is he says, those who do not care about the salvation of their fellow man can be guaranteed they probably are not saved themselves. Now, I don't know that he's right, but man, it's convicting. Because if I'm being honest, oftentimes I am more concerned with being neutral and milk toast and vanilla and likable than I am with being a Christian. And maybe that's true for you too. And if so, I invite you to, um, you know, today we're going to have a, uh, a prayer and outreach team at Arts in the Alley. Um, we'll be going around with, you know, little uh, coupons for uh, some free food items at the, the fish booth. Um, and praying people and letting them know that Jesus loves them. Um, so if, if as you're sitting there, if, 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 if you are feeling that, uh, that poke from the Holy Spirit inside of yourself where, where you're like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. I don't really like this. Um, you know, know, one, that you're not alone. Um, and two, that that may just be the Holy Spirit's urging you into taking a risk. Into... Uh, into an invitation to, to share the love of Jesus in a way you haven't before. Um, so if, if you are sensing that today, uh, make sure you say something to me before you leave, um, and we will uh, we'll together go out this afternoon and, and pray for folks. Um, you know, listen to them, love them. Uh, you know, not out of a sense of superiority, um, but rather out of the, the deep love that we have for Jesus. The, the, the love that Jesus has shown us first and that we are called to respond and love others with as well. Let's pray. Most holy God, you tell us that if we seek first your kingdom and your righteousness, that everything else will be added to us, that you will take care of the rest. Lord, we confess that there are times when we have not been about your kingdom, but we've been about ours. Lord, we confess that there are times when we have failed to live into your kingdom realities. But Lord, we confess together that you are the Lord of life.
that we need you. That we trust you. Lord, give us the courage to be obedient. Give us the courage to trust you when obedience runs against the grain of our culture's normal way of doing things. Lord, give us a passion for seeing your lost sheep come home. Give us a passion for seeing your kingdom increase here on earth. And we'll give you the honor and the praise and the glory for you are indeed worthy. Amen.